I have a couple of quick announcements before we get started today. Uh, First of all, a listener recently contacted us and suggested that we should stop saying donation amounts when we thank listeners. And after talking about it, we decided that we agree. Uh, The important thing is people are donating, not so much that dollar amount. We know that everyone contributes what they are able, and we want to highlight the fact that people are reaching into their pocket and contributing to the show and becoming a part of it uh, rather than focusing on that dollar amount. So going forward during shoutouts, we're just going to thank the listener by name and we will read any comments that you want us to read. Uh, if you want us to plug a website or something like that, we can do that for you as well. If you would like a shout out, then you can go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. It's a yellow button in the upper right hand corner that says donate. And there you can set up a single time donation or a recurring monthly donation for literally any amount. Also, we've had some technical difficulties. One of our digital audio recorders uh, broke, and so Rebecca's audio on this episode uh, sounds like it's probably being recorded through her laptop rather than her desktop microphone, so the audio quality isn't quite where we like it to be. Um, we, We were able to order a replacement piece of equipment thanks to the donations from you, our listeners, and so we should be back to normal uh, next week. So, without any further delays, on with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about quirky mashups, mixed media ideas. Working in mixed media, also called combined media, expands creative possibilities and intrigues many artists. What materials can be used together in interesting and non-traditional ways? How can you approach the overwhelming number of potential combinations? Mixed media involves the joy of experimentation, the satisfaction of discovering new approaches, and new ways of creating meaning and personal voice in your work. In today's episode, we will sum up some of the comments made on a recent Facebook post about the topic and talk about the reasons many artists love to work in mixed media. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So I, uh, I took the title for this episode, Quirky Mashups, uh, from a description by the artist Sarah Post about her own work in mixed media. Um, and it, I liked it because it, it seemed to describe a lot of the mixed media work that I've seen. It, and, and quirky in the sense of um, being very personal and very inventive and expressive. And um, we also wanted to do this episode... Um, after the one we did last week on materiality, because it, it's a very logical follow-up, and we talked more in general last week about, um, you know, what kind of meaning actually goes into the materials that people choose, and so this time we're going to look at uh, pretty specific ways people combine media. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, it was actually August 28th, if you want to look it up on my Facebook timeline, I put up a Facebook post and I just asked um, people, say, do you work in mixed media? What do you use for your work? And also, why? You know, what does it what does it bring to your work? And uh, there were a lot of responses, as there always are. And I appreciate it so much when I ask a question um, to have so many people weigh in. And so today, um, when I go through some of these, um, you know, I was trying to find commonalities and things that 
would come up more than once and to try to summarize some of this. Uh, I'll also talk about some specific artists and uh, apologies ahead of time for not mentioning everyone. And also if I happen to mispronounce your name, um, the names that I do include. Um, and I'm also going to put up on our uh, Messy Studio Facebook page uh, some pictures that people send of their work so you can kind of see how this goes. So I kind of like to start with just some general thoughts about combining media and then we'll look at some of these specific ideas. And the thing that comes to my own mind, first of all, when I think of mixed media work, which I do as myself, is the word play. And it mixed media, combining media, always seems to involve experimentation um, and sort of inventing ways to use things, developing techniques that because you're presented with these different materials and processes and how are they going to work together, unless you're following, you know, somebody else's guidelines, you are figuring out as you go. <laughs> and that is really one of its attractions, I think, this sense of freedom. Um, and you're often looking for something specific in your, in your mind about what you want these things to do. So maybe you're looking for a layered quality or um, an intricacy of some sort. And how can you, how can you find that with, with the you know, huge range of materials that you could be using together? Um, so uh, I, I have a little quote from Pat Frost who says, I play with what comes. It's as if one talks with the painting. I just like that. It's very well put. I mean, I feel when I do my own work in this type of way, I just feel just just joy in combining things and see what would happen. Well, and it's pure creation and you're you're working in a way that nobody else has, really, if you're working in in mixed media. It's very easy to create that sense of um something that's unique and individual to you. And yes. Uh, that's that's very useful in uh, creating that sense of what you like to call personal voice. Absolutely. And even if you do this as a sideline, and for a lot of people, including myself, it's it's something kind of quick off to the side. Not true for everyone. Some people are very invested in this. Um, but as quick work, um, it really it can really stimulate ideas and um, feed into your personal voice in your if you do some other type of work as kind of your main thing. Can you think of any specific examples of ways in which this kind of experimentation has influenced your own work? Uh, yeah, I would say mark making for sure. And I, I've been interested in mark making in my own work for a long time. And I think the ways that I've developed the kind of lines that I use uh, absolutely come out of working with things that have maybe a finer point like pencils and um, and transfer paper and things like that, giving me an appreciation of how delicate line can work. Um, typically in oil painting, um, mark making tends to be more gestural, thicker, at least in my own work. So this has really led me into being able to work with, with line in a different way. So that's just one thing. I mean, I think the other... The aspect of layering that comes in, even when I'm just using a few simple materials, is intriguing. You know, usually I can see through, uh, say, a layer of gouache on top of ink. I can see through it, and it. I don't even know the direct line of influence sometimes, but I'm convinced that it does help. And and it's it, it may be subliminal or intuitive or something. 
but it's an increased sensitivity to material, and that that's part of what this mixed media is. Um, and sometimes, of course, you end up with a complete mess because it is trial and error. You're exploring, you're experimenting. Um, sometimes it's kind of a rescue operation. You've started something and it it's not working out, so you think, oh well, maybe if I cover it over with something else, and you know, and sometimes that works. But um, you know, I guess there's a freedom or um, a non-attachment to things that you know quite a few end up in the trash, honestly. <laughs> so that's again a kind of a freeing attitude. That's that's really good. Um, that's kind of the nature of experimentation as well. Is that absolutely. It, it oftentimes results in failure, but those successes that we have when we're experimenting uh, can be extremely valuable. Yeah, and and I think that what you learn from those things that end up in the trash, perhaps, is that certain materials interact really well and certain ones not so much, or it processes as well. And we always want to include the idea of how these things are used as well as you know what they are. Um, and you, you start to learn, oh, I really like the look of the combination of this or that. Um, and, you know, maybe sometimes, for at least for what I do, there's a sense of restraint. I, I am not one to just put on a whole lot of different materials, although some people do that, um, and, and very successfully. But for me, it's sort of a less is more experiment or um, exercise. Can I take several different media and see what they do together? and exploit what they each have to offer. Um, and, and all that is is a learning process, and it's fascinating. And it's not like I set it all out and say, I'm going to do, you know, I'm, this is not a, a program that I set out for myself, but I know that I just kind of tend to work with only a few materials at, at the same time. Um, so um, I wanted to talk a little bit, I guess a little bit more about what I've been doing with it, which has been a, kind of a quick, I would say under 10 minute daily practice. And I started doing this um, around the time, it, COVID had been going for a little while, but it was at some point I thought every day I want to do something in my sketchbook and I'm not planning it or anything. I, I would go so far as to set out a few materials that I wanted to play around with um, and just, you know, it's almost like a little journal entry or something. And I feel that it's been a really interesting path for the past few months. And I've filled several sketchbooks by now, and I like to flip through them. And they're not literal um, interpretations of anything. They're just whatever came, came out. Um, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about another artist I know that's been doing at least daily, if not several times a day, uh, these kind of quicker works, and that's Jim Sherbarth, who um, who is dealing with cancer right now. He's going through cancer treatment. Oh, geez. Yeah, and he he has given up his painting studio as a result and of COVID and all that. He's just working on his his kitchen table right now, and but what's come out of it has been this incredible outpouring of small works, mixed media works. And I asked him a little bit, you know, about that, and he said, um, it, besides the kind of the necessity of having to leave his painting studio, he normally works in cold wax and oil, um, that he he likes this uh, 
approach to kind of direct expression of his experiences and emotions. He he's always been interested in abstracted landscape, stones, so that figures in as well. Um, but he called it both a creative outlet and a catharsis. Um, and his media includes various forms of graphite, watercolor pencil, wax markers, china markers, um, dry pigments, transfer paper, latex wall paint, tape, homemade stencils, and collage elements. And he, he sent me a picture of all this stuff on his table. <laughs> um, and, you know, he said that uh, the process of layering and stuff is, is similar to what he uses in painting. But, of course, with the, the different media, it has a very different um, effect on him. So he says he's always looking for complex simplicity. <laughs> um, so, you know, he and I share this thing in common of every day, at least once a day. And I think a lot of other artists do this as well some kind of quick practice of combining media. And it's just, um, I think it's an interesting meditation maybe, or discipline to do that. Um, maybe just a way to break up the day as well and make, keep things interesting. Mm -hmm. It definitely does. And sometimes when I, I'll do something in the sketchbook and I'll paint a little bit and then I'll come back, maybe pull out another piece of paper and try something else. And, um, and it's nice having, you know, my studio is big enough that I can have a place that just has my, uh, most of what I use as water-based media. And I have a separate kind of area for that. And I have everything at hand. And, um, if you're able to do that in your studio, it's, it's a nice way to step away from whatever else you do all the time and, and delve into that. And as I said, there are many artists who, this is what they do. This is their main practice. Um, I want to quote from an artist, Anne Brochu Lambert. And it kind of gets back to what I was saying about the way that I, uh, I, I related a lot to what she said. She just picks a few, um, there's a limitation on the number of materials that go into her work. And she says, she, I, she sets ground rules from the get go, pre-selecting the materials. And for her, that's paper, fabric, thread, crayon types of paints. She tends to choose a color palette um, and her tools. And then she says she goes wild within these constraints. Um, and it eliminates being overwhelmed by the choices and helps make discoveries with new marks, new materials, or tools. Um, and she says it's especially great for sketchbooks and studies. I plan more when I embark on a piece of, a, a bigger piece of project. And that, uh, but looking back at mixed media studies to select what I want to push forward and make bigger. So that, that kind of gets to your question for my work about, you know, the connection. She is really uh, paying attention to these for her, her other work, which she paints as well. Um, so I, like I said, I, I related quite a lot to that, looking for possibilities with just a few materials and processes. Are there some materials that just chemically can't be combined uh, where you're going to run into problems with the the way that things turn out, either in the short term while you're producing the work or in the long term as things uh, yeah. maybe break down and come apart? Right. Um, and the, the big categories that I'm aware of with that are oil-based media and water-based media. And that's why, you know, I, I tend to separate them. You can work oil-based media over say acrylic, that's fine. Um, but the other way around, there's usually some kind of adhesion problem. 
So that's why I separate my own materials that are water-based or dry media from my oil stuff. Um, and some of my own, you know, favorite materials that I like to use and combine are uh, powdered pigment, which I use in various forms. Uh, I make this homemade transfer paper. Uh, sometimes I sprinkle the pigment on and go over it with a brayer. Um, and uh, so I, I have... I enjoy my powdered pigments. I really enjoy clear gesso. And a lot of people don't even know there is such a thing. But what it does is creates a vehicle for, say, powdered pigment or graphite. Uh, and you put it into the gesso or you put the gesso over it. And it, it creates some really interesting effects. And I, I also like ink, particularly uh, walnut ink, which has a beautiful, rich brown color. I like gouache. Uh, typically... I'm just using a few neutral colors of gouache, which is basically a, an opaque watercolor. Um, and acrylic I use a bit. Um, I like just pencil a lot. I use just different um, thick, or hardnesses of pencil. I use charcoal, uh, compressed thick sticks of it. And those are, those are the things I really love most when I'm just messing around. Sometimes I do collage. I'll you know tear off something from another drawing and put it down. So those particular materials all work really well together. And they, they turned up in a lot of the comments that people said uh, that they used. Um, uh, real quick, I want to take a quick minute to tell our listeners about a big change that's coming to Squeegee Press. Uh, known for its award-winning book, videos, workshops, and tools, all created for artists working with cold wax medium. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, have announced that later this month, Squeegee Press will become Cold Wax Academy and will soon include some exciting new membership features. As part of this change, their video, Cold Wax Medium, a work, a video workshop, will become available as streaming content for members only. This comprehensive video, nearly seven hours long, covers everything Rebecca and Jerry teach in a five-day workshop and more. If you prefer to own the video, it's on sale at $250 off from now until the end of September when access will shift to streaming only. To purchase and for more information, please visit www.squeegeepress.com. That's S-Q-U-E-E-G-E-E. P-R-E-S-S dot com. And don't forget to join the mailing list for updates on all the new offerings from Cold Wax Academy. Back to you, Rebecca. All right. Thanks, Ross. Um, so you had asked me um, also about the difference between oil-based and water-based. And I just wanted to say I do, I do work in oil-based mixed media as well in the sense of uh, cold wax medium is, is really um, – it, it accepts a lot of additives. So you can put sand in there. You can put ash. Um, you can do some collage with it. And so, you know, that in that sense, I, I also work with oil-based mixed media. But I feel like the, the water-based is my kind of go-to spontaneous kind of stuff. And it, it also, you also ask, like, what does it influence my other work? How does it, I think it, the, the quick works and mixed media bring out my minimalist side, which you don't necessarily see in my oil paintings. But I love exploring that. Like I said, just a few materials and processes, and they're usually very simple. And I just love what, what can be done with that simple approach. I'm kind of wondering if the clear gesso plays a similar role in your, your more water-based media 
mixed media approach um, as the the cold wax does in it kind uh, of in your oil based approach. It's much more fluid, um, but and in that sense, it it behaves really differently. But it does create sort of a layering effect. It creates that clear um, layer over something else. Uh, and the other thing, another I have used in the past, an acrylic medium that is molding paste. And that is the closest thing I know of in the acrylic world to cold wax medium. It has that thickness. And I have played around with that quite a bit in the past. I don't happen to have any right now, but it makes me think I want to get some. So, um, and, and all this, <laughs> all this is such a great excuse to get art supplies, right? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I'll let you know if I see it discounted on Blick. <laughs> okay. Good idea. Um, so, I wanted to talk a little bit about why people like this so much. And I've, been, I've talked about the playful, the excitement of it. Um, it's also often very visually exciting. And that's kind of just that result of the mixing of materials. They look so interesting together. And that it's that I think that's so engaging for, for artists. Um, but there were also a couple people that talked about kind of more conceptual things and what was behind their work. Um, there's an artist called Nadine Renazil, and she said, My mixed media work is a response to my observances of this rather chaotic world. Nothing is as it looks. Everything is murky. So I build lots of textures, beginning with good house paint, then collage, crayons, uh, acrylic over that, scratching and sanding. And so she's, she's going back into these various layers and revealing what's underneath and seeing this process as one of, I think, sort of, um, expressing her feelings about current situations or um, and, and also bringing that into the media itself, the revealing of layers underneath and so on. Um, Alison B. Cook says, I move between oil, acrylic, collage, printmaking, and drawing, sometimes overlaps between them, but in, materi in materiality and conceptually, um, each medium or combination of mediums feeds a different sense of play and experimentation. And I think what, what I've noticed and what she's saying there, too, is it brings out different sides of yourself, different ideas, because the material is so different. Um, Cheryl Gannon mentioned mixed media as a way to start out an oil painting. And this is another way that many artists work, uh, especially with cold wax medium, layering over a, a base of all kinds of stuff. So she mentions oil sticks, art graph, which is, if you don't know what art graph is, just Google it, A-R-T-G-R-A-F. It's a line of products that are graphite-based, water-soluble, that come in different colors, and they're, they're gorgeous, um, and ink and stuff. And she starts her paintings that way. Um, and it's a way to include her personal history or emotion and so on. Um, an artist called Leslie Sobel expresses climate concerns using collage elements of prints of scientific data and graphs. Um, another one, Susan Joy, looks at what she calls cultural blind spots in a series incorporating police reports and photos. Um, there's, there's lots of collage aspects that can bring in meaning from other sources. And I think that maybe at some point we'll do a, a podcast just on collage because it's another whole realm, really. Um, Gail Schellinger mentioned using found objects. She said bouncy horses and vintage clothes. Um, but she also brought up the idea that sometimes she works in media that is ephemeral that, or she thinks about doing this that won't last because she's concerned about 
um, just adding more stuff to the world, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, Anna Patricia Keller mentioned using rain and river water. My motivation comes from a desire to connect my thoughts and memories of land that I had a deep connection with. Um, and then that's an interesting idea, the, the source of the water having meaning for her. And the last one I wanted to quote from here is Max McConkie, who wrote quite a lot, quite a long email or two to me about this whole topic. But what he initially said, and I said, you know, why do you like to use mixed media? He said, I like the way it feels and looks. And then he said, if that sounds simplistic, I accept that characteristic or that characterization without shame. The notion of the joy one finds in both the creative process and in whatever tangible emerges from that process sums up to me the simple essence of the artistic experience. So I, I will let Max have the last word on that. Um, because it it does, it just says a lot in a, in a simple way. Um, I do also think that for people that are delving into the conceptual, there's a lot of stuff to work with, uh, the sources of the materials, the way they're put down, the way they're combined. Um, so just a little bit more, and you asked me about, you know, what kind of works together, what doesn't. Um, so we talked about the 2D water base, and that's everything from powdered pigment and charcoal to graphite sticks, acrylic, carin d'ache, which are um, watercolor crayons, gouache, acrylic, pencil, ink. And one artist even mentioned coffee grounds, um, sand, thread, so many things that can be brought into this kind of work. And collage, as I mentioned, is another huge category. People we're using um, things like vintage fabric, papers, gold and silver leaf, uh, collaging over monotypes, uh, using wallpaper, photos, magazine covers. Um, and these, lots of artists mentioned these things. Diane Williams was one who described a process in which she had to figure out, she wanted to work with silk in the collage process, but she found that when she glued it down, it changed the color of the silk, and she didn't want that look. She wanted it to look fresher. So she started stitching it to a piece of canvas, and then the canvas is what she glued down. And I mention that because it's a good example of this kind of problem solving that can happen when you start fooling around and say that, I like the idea of this, but it's not quite working. Well, how can I make it work? And there's so much of that in this whole exploration. You know. <laughs> The, the idea you have of it may be a little different than the actual result, and then you end up figuring out how to do that. Um, and then with, with the, uh, with the oil-based stuff, I mentioned cold wax in particular because that allows so many um, additives. But there's other things. I mean, pigment sticks can work with other just kind of straight oil painting. You can work on various substrates, and that's another aspect of mixed media. Where do you start? What, what are you painting on? Um, I've done some work recently with painting on Venetian plaster, which is a really beautiful surface. Um, another artist uh, mentioned working on thin set, which is a form of concrete, I guess, metal and caustic, um, sometimes starting with uh, collage and then working over back into it with that. Um, so the, the substrate tar paper was also mentioned. You know, the, the thing you're actually working on can definitely be part of mixed media. It's not always on paper. It can be on a lot of things. 
Um, some of the artists that responded to Facebook were a little hard to classify. They were they were using uh, maybe more of a sculptural approach, more 3D or installation work. Um, and I just wanted to talk about Bettina Egel-Senhauser. Um, she uses a lot of different mat uh, building materials, uh, lime putty, marble dust, plaster, different kinds of sands, ashes, loose pigments. And then um, she makes some sort of structure with these materials, and then she works over them with casein color wax, tempera, ink, and they're quite beautiful. So you can combine an awful lot of things together and have this result that doesn't scream out, I'm, I'm a whole hodgepodge of things. Uh, maybe that's what you want. And the, the artist Anselm Kiefer comes to mind, whose huge, enormous mixed media work is full of everything from, you know, ash and clay and tar and wood and clay. And, I mean, it's just they're huge. And it is a, a conglomeration of things that creates a sense of kind of a impending doom or anxiety. So he's purposefully using a lot of different things. And they stand out uh, as you can identify them when you look at it. But you can also combine things in subtle ways. And they uh, using a lot of different things. And they, the result is a bit mysterious, actually. You don't really know what the artist has used. And it's subtle. Um, so just to just to throw in a few more artists here as we wrap up, Ann Beidler said she, she's a printmaker. I like to make a trace monotype and layer a relief print on top or let a trace monotype dry for a while and then draw into it with a Mars Lumograph pencil. Um, and she also likes layering acrylic ink on top of letterpress printed decorative type. And again, the realm of printmaking when it comes to mixed media is another it's another topic. I mean, you think of straightforward printmaking maybe, but there's things like shinkalay um, where you're uh, putting thin paper over a print, maybe incorporating something like thread, and you can have some incredible results from that. Um, Kim Barrett, um, for their immediacy of mark and fluid possibilities, I like using neutral toned ink and art graph, art graph again, and water to respond directly to the landscape. My intention is to capture quickly and mark and tone some sense of place. Um, and she mentions that she doesn't work directly from these with her st other studio work, but she feels like she's implanting memories as she does this. And I love that because I, I feel the same way sometimes. The effect of this quicker work, it's subtle and you're just, something is changing in your brain when you work on it. And you're implanting memories or you're learning some way of handling um, material and tools, even if they're not the same ones that you use in your other work. Um, Mary Mendla has been experimenting with layering mixed media over archival prints of photos, digitally manipulated photos. Um, these are, I've seen some of these, they're, they're quite uh, evocative, mysterious images. And then she sometimes works over them again with some other media Chuck Potter is a guy who is very experimental and he just takes a great joy in the materiality of what he's doing. He's been working with custom plasters, Venetian plaster, rust, sumi ink, acrylic paint, wood pulp, um, all kinds of things. And um, staining and seep steeping processes to change the surface. Uh, Lance Carlson is another one who mentioned uh, processes that were totally new to me, 
He says, I really enjoy getting a thick coat of gesso. Uh, and he uses colored gesso or clear gesso. And then he uses spray paint uh, over that. And then sprays with water and lets it move. Uh, and when it's dry, I paint with acrylic straw with Sharpies or paint pens, drawing with liquid acrylic and ketchup and mustard bottles. And then he sprays it all again with water. And <laughs> the effects of this are interesting. They look very organic, um, kind of uh, like seeping rust or something like that. And again, I'm going to put some you know, pictures up on Facebook. And the last one I wanted to mention was um, Nancy Natal. And she she's one that works on tar paper. Um, with encaustic, and she's done this for a long time. She likes the way the tar soaks into the paint and mellows it. I also like using record album covers that I cut apart and paint on, uh, letting some of the text and images come through. And she, she likes the idea of adding uh, sources of text to her work and writing. She usually puts the text upside down to make it less legible. And she uses a lot of tacks that she hammers into the surface. She says they, they let me really commit to the piece I'm making and that the heads of the tacks are another a layer of the structure. So that's quite a wrap-up of different <laughs> ideas. Yeah. Um, What's really interesting to me is how many of these materials are um, – it's it's – People are going to the art store for some of their stuff, but then they're also going to the hardware store or to the yes. thrift store or to, uh, you know, they're finding items that they can use. Absolutely. Or pulling things out of nature. And there's this whole element to it where it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very, um, it's very organic and it's very, uh, kind of, I don't know, down and dirty and, and, you know, we're going to go out and make art with all kinds of stuff and we're yes. not going to be limited to, to what we can find at the art supply store. And it's kind of punk rock, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it changes your perspective when you're out in nature, you might see a stick or something and say, Oh, you know, I could do something with that. Or, or yeah, at the heart, a lot of artists do love hardware stores and it's, it's the tools as much as the, building stuff. I mean, it all, there's so many things you can do with all that stuff. Um, I, I know I was in a hardware store a while ago and I was, I was staring at this rack of things like tile tools and putty knives. And so, you know, one of the store people came up, can I help you find something, ma'am? And I said, no, just browsing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What did they think? You know, <laughs> Well, and it, it also, you know, for people who don't necessarily have the means to to buy high priced um, art supplies, you know, it means that they can go out and they can find stuff that's either free or very cheap um, and still be creative with it and make something that is of value. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And there's a huge tradition. Um, in an earlier episode, we talked about folk art, also known as naive art, uh, outsider art. And a lot of work done with things like shoe polish, um, paper bags, you know, uh, whatever the person had at hand. We, we talked before about concrete and things embedded in concrete. And it's, it's, so, it's all so inventive. And as you said, covers a lot of ground for outside of the art supply store. That said, the art supply store becomes ever more fascinating when you start using different media. <laughs> I mean, you find yourself looking at things that you wouldn't normally look at. Uh, also, sometimes you have things around your studio that you bought at one point thinking, 
oh, I'm going to use this for something, and you didn't. And it's there, it sits, and you may have things in your own studio right now that are worth exploring in this way. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Just, uh, you know, this is a very complex and exciting way of working, I would say. And you can use it with almost any art form. I mean, we've mentioned um, not just works on paper or 2D work. We've mentioned um, 3D work, um, printmaking, which is 2D, but can you can add elements to it that are not. I mean, there's, there's a crossover there, I would say, of... Uh, it becomes somewhat hard to categorize. And so we've just touched on a few ideas here. These just happen to be things people told me about. Um, and I would say, you know, if you haven't tried any of this and it sounds exciting and intriguing, which I hope it does, um, you know, kind of expand yourself a little bit in the studio and, and even just picking a few things that are not things you normally work with and see what happens. Uh, there's, Play is just as I started out the whole episode saying it's really play, it's so intriguing, and you can lose yourself in this stuff for a long time. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of the Messy Studio. For more from the Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find the Messy Studio on Facebook as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody. 